Welcome to On the Up and Up. I'm your host, Kira LaForgia, and every week I'm bringing you behind the scenes of running a successful business. Join me while we laugh, learn, and connect on mostly HR inappropriate topics with successful founders, diverse leaders, and kick-ass employees. It's true, your HR lady may have fired your bestie or made you sign a love contract, but we also have all the hot gossip that will make you better at your job. Whether you're on your way up the corporate ladder, are a fellow HR villain, or are building a culture as a rising entrepreneur. Yay, Shannon, welcome to On the Up and Up. Yay, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Me too. I. It's so funny, like... We, so I go through all of your courses. I have them all. And so every time I need something, I call it like my online business dictionary. Like I'm like, why is my ad doing this? And I just like go to one of your courses, find the topic, pull it up, get the answer and like plug it back in. So I always feel like I'm like sort of having a conversation with you at all times. So it's really cool to actually have you here. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Real time conversations. Well, thanks for that. Using them as playbooks is my biggest goal. It's not like a one and done. It's just a re-reference, dust it back off when you're ready. So I'd love to hear it. Yeah, perfect. Okay, cool. Well, we always kick it off because the whole podcast is all about talking about modern leaders and where we came from and what shaped us into who we are today and challenging the status quo of what we've been told is the right way to build teams, businesses and cultures. So tell us your origin story. Like, where'd you come from? Where did the your corporate background, the online business transition just like go after it for a couple minutes? Okay. So I got into marketing by happenstance. I had a family friend who had an agency. They were looking for a social media manager. This is like 15 years ago now. And um, I was pursuing acting at the time. (laughs) Rest in peace to that dream. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, well, why the heck not? I'd rather do that to make money while I pursue auditions and et cetera. So got in fast and furious, fell in love with social and then expanded into copy and SEO. And there wasn't a ton of social back then. We were doing a lot of Twitter and then Facebook. It wasn't what it is currently. So I really quickly got into a bunch of kind of mixed modalities with it and then stayed on this digital trajectory as um, as I kind of fell in love with it, pursued certifications. It was like as marketing rose and acting fell down, I went full hog. And then um, ended up with a, a proper commitment as a marketing manager, moved companies and escalated to a director of marketing up to a VP of marketing. And then in my last gig, I was um, national director of marketing and sales for a fitness franchise, which was fun. I got to travel around a lot. But I was at that point where because I had kind of accomplished what I'd wanted, I was seeing really cool cities. I was having exposure to celebrities through the partnerships with this fitness franchise. I'd kind of done what I'd set out to do. And it wasn't so much this like rock bottom origin story as it was this like a a veil dropping because I'd finally been able to say, well, just one more job, one more title, one more raise, one more opportunity. And I'm going to get to live out my like 90s rom-com visionary dream of like, you know, being the PR girl, all that stuff we were raised on that's just so bass backwards. <laughs> Finally felt like I'd done it, of course, it like g- drilled myself into the ground to do it. My relationship was suffering because I was traveling all the time, etc. So all that to say, I um, started out the social bungalow is the name of my business. I started it out with my co-director of marketing from the fitness franchise. We decided to start the business together and it was previously an outsourced director of marketing and you get the two of us, um, mostly for local Las Vegas 
businesses. And then he very quickly moved to San Diego about three, six months into the business. And we decided to disband and I was going to retain the title. And I remember texting him back and being like, you know what, this is okay because I actually want to like make courses and be a speaker. And it felt like I was just kind of manifesting this really sweet dream that felt very far off. But then within a couple of years, it was very much so a reality. And now we're five years into the social bungalow where we help online entrepreneurs structure their business and then market those offers for big picture profit. That's amazing. And I know that there's a lot of crossover between there's this like narrative that we all have to just constantly be in a state of pivot and readjustment and you know, all of that kind of stuff. Did you ever and I know you have a lot of different passions. Did you ever feel like is marketing just going to be a constant like hamster wheel? Because it always feels like you're really positive about all the changes and being ahead of the curve and all of that good stuff. And it burns people out, but it feels like you really thrive on it. How are you able to kind of like translate mm. that over into your business model into something that's positive and not something that's like frustrating? That's a really interesting question. I think that the core tenets of marketing remain the same. I wholeheartedly believe that conversions are an emergent property of relationships, especially in the way that we, what we facilitate in these expertise-based businesses that I support in. And so when you can see somebody uniquely and communicate their problem to them, foster community around them, and then present a really fabulous product, the marketing of it, of getting that message to the masses. I don't really care if it's Instagram, if it's chat GPT supporting us, the ability to do that remains the same. Insert tactic here. But to your point of hamster wheel, I do really love um, the work that I do in business structure because I get to match the creativity of marketing. And of course, we've got data over there as well. But just all of that whiz bang with the solid concrete foundation work, and it kind of gets to live in head and heart at the same time so that I'm I'm flexed in different muscles and I don't feel like I'm always just trying to come up with a new schnazzy tactic. Yeah. And you have a really solid suite of courses, which we already talked about a little bit. When it was time for you to move from this partnership that it sounds like it was a little bit more directly focused in local businesses when you were kind of working as director mm -hmm. of marketing, what kind of like pushed you into that or brought awareness to this online space that also translated into your drive for creating culture or creating courses? Yeah, yeah, great question. It was one um, friend that I had, because I'm big on when you're first starting out, your sphere of influence opportunity to start with the sort of three rings of the circle. You've got the inner nebulous of your closest peeps, and then your connections on LinkedIn, your previous colleagues, and then the outer people of who they could recommend you to. And asking each of those rings, hey, do you have anybody that needs marketing right now? Any connection that you could you know, put, put forth for me? And one gal that I'd asked who was an in-person friend, she had um, a friend who was in the online space. And she was my first brush with this shiny corner of the internet. Of course, I knew that people had their own businesses and courses, and that was on my vision board. But she specifically had a um, ever-enrolling monthly subscription fitness membership. So it was blending where I had just come from with a fitness franchise in with the online space with courses, curriculum, and, and evergreen funnels, and being able to mix together, learning about the industry through her, loving everything with the marketing, with the fitness, with the solid foundations, the, the funnels, the evergreen, et cetera, digital. Um, it was this like explosion for me of, oh my gosh, this is it. And mm -hmm. I felt so, and I, I still do on purpose where I've got this, like you said, multi-passionate amalgamation of miscellaneous interests and skills that we're able to all sort of coalesce in this online space. Yeah, that's kind of I had the same experience. Like I didn't know what this was. Like I thought online business was like 
MLMs and like, you know, face wash and stuff. And then <laughs> I had a right. business coach who had a design agency approach me and she was like, wait, you know about employees? And I was like, yes, <laughs> that's all I know about really. <laughs> and she was like, well, what are you doing helping startups? Like you need to like that. Th- I had like a third tier consulting service and she was like, uh, everyone I know needs this. So is 2020, all these businesses were growing, expanding, needing team, you know, all that stuff. Um, so it just yeah. kind of like fell in my lap and I was like, wait, I could help everyone. And then for us, it's like, well, I just had to learn all the laws in all 50 states, but like no big deal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was, it's so cool. And like, I never, I think we share that background of, you know, you feel a little boxed in sometimes when you move up through the ranks. Like I work still one day a week. It's more of a partnership at a local business. We have two locations, 50 employees. I get all my content from there. Um, but I'm the COO and you kind of grow out of it. But I didn't want to. I know there's a lot of people that just want to build courses because they think it's passive. But I've never heard you say that. Um, and I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit to like maybe that perspective and if you how you feel about that kind of idea that courses are passive and also you wanted to be an actor which I think brings a whole other layer to what I'm seeing in your courses (laughs) Um, and how that might be super (laughs) motivational and inspiring for you can you talk a little bit about that whole sporadic question I just kind of asked (laughs) yes (laughs) so I mean passive income how do we want to define it because it is quote unquote a fallacy based off of how people pitch it If you have um, investment properties, you need to replace the water heater when it bursts. It's, yeah, bringing you money because you didn't actively go into work for one hour to make your hourly wage, but it is still something that requires upkeep. And so do your courses and so do your sales pipelines, et cetera. So in any way, shape, or form, be that even multi-level marketing, be that a book that's giving you residuals, be that a house investment, be that a course, you are going to set up ways in which you are not so required to do the work in real time and you're not so required to facilitate the sale in real time. And that is a fabulous way to increase your profit margin, get your life and your hours back, and then be able to be strategic about how you're driving traffic to that pipeline that performs for you. So if anybody's listening and not quite following, let me just give you a quickie. So if somebody's got a freebie PDF that you want access to, you give your name and your email, they send you that freebie PDF, and then they send you a few follow-up emails to nurture, provide some value, and then they pivot the conversation into, hey, if you like this topic, I actually have a $147 offer that expands and would be a really great next step. Would you like to buy it? You say yes, you invest you get online access to that course. That's a sales funnel that's set up to facilitate an automatic sale without you being involved in real time except for the front-loaded build of it. But you have to maintain, make sure your little connections don't break, that your email copy is up to snuff, you're optimizing it if some emails aren't performing, and that your course is relevant. So there are really smart ways to work around it, but passive income is a sales modality. It's not an offer in my book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And in deciding to create those courses, I know that it wasn't something it sounds like you're kind of just proving that point of you were ready to take this on as a challenge and not as a way to make money without having to do anything. Um, What was kind of your mindset going into this? And do you feel like you got to use some of your acting desire and experience to do that? Because it is really hard for me to sit down and and record my course. I put it off for literally as long as possible. Um, Do you have the same feelings when you're doing that? (laughs) 
Oh man. I mean, it is definitely like a stretchy period of time. It is a season of hustle for sure. And just sitting down and and really committing to it. But yeah, there is a component of, of, I'm like reading a script and that's fun. And I do play a lot with voice inflection. You should, it is the, probably the cringiest thing. I should record myself sometime when I'm recording a course and how much I am talking with my hands and my face is doing this. And (laughs) the next thing you do, and I'm like changing my voice around so that it's something interesting to listen to and how much nobody's looking at me, but I'm smiling when I talk so that my voice sounds pleasant. So yeah, all those little things that you learn through the process of emoting, emitting, that comes into play. But I would say mostly where it shows up for me is live video and hosting workshops and the ability to kind of, you know, I'm not acting, but I'm holding space and I'm making sure that my reaction is one that's really giving validation to the person that's sharing with me and that I'm I'm holding that space for them in a way that they feel really seen, heard and appreciated. That's not acting, but it is that mindset of I'm thinking and I'm trying to strategize what I'm going to answer and I'm controlling my face at the same time so that you feel really good in this interaction. Yeah. And that's something that we are not born with. Like people, I feel like that's something that is often overlooked. (laughs) And I'll be, even when I take a lot of courses, there's a distraction element of like, wait, I lost my train of thought or I'm distracted now by what's going on on their screen or whatever. But it's so funny because as I was recording my last course, it was like, a constant like switching back from recording, putting together the curriculum and then watching an LLA video and recording and putting together the video. Like it was so funny because I was like, well, I don't have to do my makeup because Shannon didn't show her face in this video. So I can just put this information out there. Exactly. So it was fun to exactly. like. Exactly. Just make it, a slide deck. Yeah. And it was really like, oh, OK, I have this like support system because like, you know, if I get burned out or freaked out or like emotional or whatever about this recording, then I can just listen to Shannon and tell me everything's going to be OK. Um, so it's always great to have you in my back pocket. Um, so now just kind of transitioning a little bit to what we always talk about on On the Up and Up. So we're called On the Up and Up because we want to be on the up and up legally, but we also are growing and developing and we are literally on the up and up success wise. And through the process, you know, from your origin story all the way in to building your business to the success where you're at today, there were people involved, people that you hired, people that you trained. I know there was maybe an intern or two here and there, Um, and then also in building an in-person business. So I want to talk a little bit about your experience with making that decision to hire the first person that you brought into your inner circle. What was that like and what triggered that for you? Yeah, absolutely. I um, my very first official hire was a paid intern. Um, due to coming from that corporate structure where we had a marketing department of seven, and as the director of marketing, I had all of these people to support me in what I was crafting, and I was also doing some doing. So I'm like, all right, I can make the plan, and I can do some of this social and some of this copy. But I've got the designer, the videographer, all of these support members. How in the world am I going to do this in my own business? And so I had this curse of knowledge, which ended up being a blessing because I was terrified to go it alone. That before I officially gave my notice, I hired this paid intern, and we worked together. I want to say for three to six months in the beginning, um, and then from there, I hired like official employee, a part-time marketing coordinator to take what the intern had done and take it up a notch with me as well. Um, But I only made that hire at that six, seven, eight month mark when I had money coming in that I felt um, that I could really support. I could really say yes to this commitment. And I wasn't just like jumping to a bigger boat and hoping that it would work out. I had all of these pieces in place to where back to our passive income in the funnels, I had sales systems in place. And even though I only had a couple of offers and a lot of those offers required my real-time facilitation, they were selling. I had people in the pipeline and I felt good about making that hire. 
Yeah. And then with that, there has to be, I think one question we get a lot is, is there a specific revenue marker that you have to be at in order to hire an employee? And our answer is always no. You just have to have some kind of level of consistency so you can set a budget and then you have to classify them correctly. How did you, the contractor to employee thing always, it was something that shocked me in the online space because I was like, obviously you have to hire an employee. Like I never heard of using contractors like every single day. I was like, that's like super illegal. Um, But you know, we can tweak things here and there. But there was definitely, I think to hear that you went from, you know, hiring someone so much more quickly than other businesses do to like really taking it seriously and knowing that you could afford it is a big deal. Was there any fear, even though you knew you could do that? Like, was there fear of bringing someone in? Did you have any doubts and hesitations about like, you know, this mindset piece of I'm in charge of you now, like this is your living. This is how you feed yourself. Did you have any of those doubts going into it? Uh, I mean, I did not at that stage, and this is for everybody listening, this is exclusive to this unique situation because number one, I had been this person before. I had been the younger, the person I hired was a younger girl who was into social and multi-passionate and like not into acting per se, but into modeling. So I really saw a lot of myself, my younger self in her. And I remember when I had taken on some side gigs, um, you know, 10 years ago, earlier on before I was moving up in the ranks at corporate, that I had other money and irons in the fire. And so if this didn't work out, it was just something really fun to pursue. So I saw this sort of lightness around the role that I felt good about, she felt good about. And then um, at the same time, because marketing was my skill set, I also had this knowledge of if it didn't work out, I can very easily pick it back up if this, you know, so I don't feel too much like purple cow situation. So at that point, I felt a little bit easy, breezy, beautiful, and it was so much of my zone of genius with what I hired for that everything was good. However, when I started to hire more people and we had different skill sets and more leadership was required for me, I didn't fully front of brain realize that the anxiety I was experiencing was the responsibility for others' livelihoods until it just sort of came to consciousness of, oh, wow, I'm waking up every day with a weight on my chest because I need to perform due to money still coming in due to pay Da, 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 da. And even though I have my sales systems, the business that I have is a personal brand. And if somebody isn't buying because they don't know, like, and trust me enough, my products aren't selling and therefore I can't pay for these people who have to put food in. So that whole spiral, <laughs> that's where the fear came later on versus at the very beginning. Yeah. And now since then, how tell me about your team journey, because I think it's really fun to see how you've been able to kind of adapt and develop along the way and who you've hired and when and what decisions went into that. I My next hire after the marketing coordinator was somebody to help in admin and customer service. And so that operations-esque role really had a lot of like jack-of-all-trades style pieces that they were doing. And then I hired a client success manager to help on the fulfillment side with the clients. Now we have that client success manager. The admin customer service person is a project manager who oversees operations. And we have had a marketing manager, but we're hiring for... Um, a new marketing manager because we parted ways in a really good way. They had some really great opportunities that popped up. So the way that I like it for my business is that I kind of have these three department head slash doers at the time to where it is head of growth, i.e. marketing, head of operations, head of fulfillment with me and then my husband, Ryan, who sits in a COO spot as well, overseeing everybody. And then within this process, you also had started the coffee shop. 
So, which I have been so lucky to go to and love it. And it's so cute and so amazing and so fun. Um, but that must have been a whole different beast when it came to employees. How do you remember what it felt like to sit down and map out the structure for a totally different kind of business? And what was that like? Totally. Yes. And everybody listening is, wait, like plot twist. What do you <laughs> There's also a coffee shop. Yeah. <laughs> I promise that's it. It's just those two businesses. Um, so I have always wanted to own a coffee shop and so many people have like, it's such a dream for all of us, the vibe, the feeling that comes from it, the community camaraderie. So with that vision on one of our early first dates, my husband and I, we had both expressed an interest. So it'd been this cute little vision between the two of us that we'd talk about sometimes. And as the social bungalow started to take off um, 2018, 2019, and then 2020, we had a really nice nest egg from profit in the online business that we reinvested into starting a coffee shop called Bungalow Coffee. So it is a physical expansion of the digital brand, but a little more um, gender neutral, but very much entrepreneur forward. Big booths, lots of outfit outlets, uh, fastest Wi-Fi, et cetera. So with that, um, we assumed a lease in a building that was a previous coffee shop. We did an asset sale and um, did some remodeling, did some rebranding and turned it around and opened it within six months of assuming that. So we we started in October, November, 2020 with the lease and the remodel. And then we opened up in March of 2021. We started with a staff of six, seven, and then coffee shop, you have typically a six to nine month churn because it's kind of a transient role for somebody when they're in college or pursuing a career of some sort. We've been really fortunate to have people who've been with us for a long time, but it, over the time we've had more staff, less staff, um, but right now, between the two businesses, we have like 18-ish people that report to us in different capacities and different org charts across the two businesses. So that has been such an interesting experience with the difference of where I have uh, deep thinking, almost CEOs of their own department leaders on the social bungalow side. And then I have these lighter, easy breezy baristas who are just there to like make your day and make a joke on the other side. But everybody needing the same sort of development and something a little different for me has been really fun to traverse those conversations and how to show up best and be be most supportive for the difference. Yeah. And I think, you know, this we also share because we have an online business and then we have an in-person business where we're managing all these people. Do you feel like it has how has, how do you feel like it's enriched you as an online business owner to kind of manage teams in these different ways and show up for them as a leader in a face of both companies? Mm. Well, I don't know if it's had a direct correlation. Well, I guess so. But I was going to say to online business then benefiting from it in a specific way. But me as a human has benefited from it. And I think that that then has the pour over effect. Mm -hmm. No pun intended on the coffee <laughs> pour over front there. But um, <laughs> so the the responsibility that I was talking about that we feel towards others' livelihoods. I also feel for my clients and I take the utmost importance with what I share even in my free content for my community because I want to make sure with so many options with free content that if you are taking the time to consume mine, it's going to move the needle, make a difference for you in some way, shape or form. And so with the, the pressure that I put on myself quite frequently in the online space, the beauty of just making one stellar cup of coffee and handing it to somebody and that being the like penultimate or the ultimate of what you did and the person having their day made, the simplicity of that was so enriching. I was like, oh my gosh, this is the easiest thing that's ever existed. <laughs> and so 
the fulfillment that we felt, my husband and I, in being able to like make a bomb panini and have somebody sing your praises versus change their life with remastering their offer suite into something scalable for their 10-year vision was really, really nice balance. And I think helped me skirt any potential burnout that a lot of people tend to experience in the online space because of how deep and big and you know heavy it can be um, due to getting my cup filled elsewhere. Again, pun not intended, but I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, it's really fun to see how people can develop right like in front of your eyes, either as leaders or managers or like, you know, we have our kind of entry level employees that are coming in. And it's so funny because people are like, well, they're just I hear like traditional management stuff like, well, they're just like a, you know, warm body. We need to hire a warm body, you know, that kind of a thing. And it's like. Uh, like it just like cuts me to my core because like some of the most meaningful conversations and like most rewarding emails or texts or whatever I get or like five, six, seven years after I had a part time employee come in and we had one conversation that I forgot about. I maybe I don't even remember that person. I'm like, when you're in this leadership role, you're affecting so many people. And so it makes sense that you would always feel like a little bit of extra heavy weight on your shoulders, especially in the online space when so many people are looking to you. Um, what do you think are some of the things that you've learned or maybe unpopular opinions having kind of being able to pull from both of those different experiences and also in the development of your business up until now? Um, what are some things out there that you're like, uh, please don't listen to that advice or <laughs> whether it be about team or just business? in general? Um, nothing comes to mind advice-wise, but I think that there is a, uh, uh, and we were talking a little bit about this uh, separate from the podcast about lean teams and that there's this sort of like, um, have you seen that trend where people are like, I girl boss too close to the sun <laughs> and now I have all this stuff to do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's kind of this like, if I don't know, ethereal vision that we all hold, be it like I was saying earlier, the movies from the 90s that have planted these seeds with us or what have you, but that we feel we need to have the office, have the team, um, you know, have all this moving and shaking and, and what have you. And I did that um, at one point, which we didn't cover, but I had a much larger team on the social bungalow side. And the payroll is heavy and the burden is heavy and the responsibility is heavy. And you, it's, you know, not all it's necessarily cracked up to be. And the lean approach for me personally is the most breathable, beautiful, as long as everybody is, nobody's, you know, being overworked and getting burnt out approach to structuring a business. And even on the coffee shop side, like we look every day when labor hits 30%, it's typically like, hey, does anybody want to go home early? And there's always one person who's like, yep, I would rather get a head start on my groceries tonight. Thanks. And keeping it lean, 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 lean so that your business can truly be profitable um, because you will be making $50,000 a month and spending $49,000 a month in order to make it happen very quickly. It'll sneak up on you in a millisecond if we're not focused on how we optimize every roll out of the gate. Yeah, that's great. And that's a lot of what we believe too. You can, we think that the number of team members you have is a vanity metric. Um, and it's also really funny because mm -hmm. our potential clients or, you know, whoever we're talking to that is ready to build a team or wants to make sure they're optimizing their team through our services. One of the first things they tell me is how many people they have on their team. And I'm like, okay, well, can we cut that into a fourth? Because your expenses might go up right. per person, but you'll have less people. And, you know, we've optimized that in in-person businesses, too, with profits going up 30% by hiring better people in more direct roles. And I think people miss that in the online space. And another thing I want to touch on is that you mentioned having a longer or a bigger team before and how it just didn't feel 
great for you at the time. I think there's a direct energy exchange between kind of bringing somebody in that you're then sharing a piece of yourself with because now you're their manager and leader. And so it can be really difficult to yeah. kind of show up as a creative person when you're carrying the burden of of your team and you really want to be a good leader. I mean, there are some people that are just like hard boundary, like you do your thing, like I don't really care. And then those businesses don't always keep people around that long. Um, but in that process, you also employ your husband. And I know that you have close relationships with your team members. So how have you felt your creativity has shifted as your team has shifted and moving in? Like, I really want to encourage people to have a lean team. So like fully commercial for it um, in regards to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as an online business, and I would say if you're a small business owner of, of any sort, that you are still doing a lot of the doing. And I am as well, but also with the online space being very personal brand driven, I am the face of it. And so things need to come from my creative ethos. And if I don't have the white space or the creativity time to sit down and write or think up new concepts, no matter who the person is that's executing on that concept, if I don't have the space to create it, we don't have hot takes, we don't continue to like maintain our UVP in the online space and who our brand is and what we stand for and all these things. And so that's just one iota of it, almost like the marketing in the face of it. But also the role that I play, and it's less and less, thankfully, as time goes on, but the doing that I do do, if I'm so busy helping everybody else, I end up doing my doing on the weekend. And it's interesting to see more team members equals more leadership and more development and potentially more bottlenecking, depending on how you're structuring things. And by the time you catch that and da da da. So it, having more people to support me was actually making me work more and then have more work on the weekends to get my own stuff done. And it was making it to where I had more stress and more anxiety because my payroll was very high and it needed to continually like big moves, move the needle, da, 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 da. So when my week is spent in, I would say 60% team leadership development, supporting them currently, and then 40% in um, split that between my own creative space and time and then my own actual doing 2020, let's split that up. That is such a better process for us. And we, it is the difference for me with the speed of making a decision and deploying something of a speedboat versus a cruise ship. And when you have so many people and so many different processes it needs to go through, it's like this slow turn. And I would say like, hey, let's pop up a new quiz for this launch we're doing. And we need to cr quickly create an opt-in page, a few emails, and um, I'll work on the quiz because it's going to come from my curriculum. I'd give that to the marketing individuals. And it would be like three weeks later by the time we're done with this with revisions and feedback and edits and da da da, da. I'm like, what is happening? I would have had this done in three days previously. So for the commercial, the less stress for the business owner and the ability to move a little bit faster at this stage in the game when we're not yet these large corporations who have leadership and managers and then people under the, we're not there yet. And so the ability to be able to stay as lean as possible also speaks to speed and then profit. I always translate it over to like the quality over quantity, like the Nordstrom versus the Walmart. Like we want to be able to like truly pour yeah. in to like a few people versus like I need 11 t-shirts for what reason? Like it's just more laundry at the end of the day, you know? So it's kind of funny because yeah. I think yeah. there is an overall shift, but I think a lot of people had to kind of learn it a little bit the hard way or experiment with it a little bit. And it's not quite so easy to experiment with people. It's really hard to do that. Um, so can we talk a little bit about the way that you choose to lead your team? And I know that this is 
it can, I want to like sort of seep into having your partner involved, um, but also just like in the way that you've built relationships with your team and, and how you've, how you prioritize those relationships to make it work best for your business um, along the way. One, the person who did um, is currently the project manager who was the hire that started with customer service and admin is somebody that I hired um, two companies prior in the corporate world in the marketing department. Um, That was where I was VP of marketing. So I got to design my own team and I needed somebody in content and she was a referral from somebody who worked there. Did not actually know a ton about content, but just so competent and so warm and such a great culture fit as well that I was like, oh, I can teach you content. We did that. I taught her in my methodologies. I then moved to the fitness franchise. We needed somebody in the marketing department. I brought her over there. I started my own business. She was doing her thing for a bit. She actually went back to nursing school for a little thinking she wanted to pursue that, realized she hated this. This is why she initially (laughs) quit it and then said, hi, do you need anybody? And I was like, boy, do I ever. So the ability to work with somebody that um, I have had such a strong long-term relationship with has been really, really great. And it's, it's really nice and validating to have her experience or her exposure to me having seen this entire journey all the way back for the past decade that we've worked together now and have the um, ability to speak on my behalf in the leadership role that she has due to knowing me so intimately my processes my work style and we have such a synergy due to that Um, and not that we can always get so lucky but I think a lot of times the relationships that you have and how they translate when somebody that one of the biggest things for me is if we have competency in skill I can teach you the finer details and I would rather with a barista as well, we can teach you coffee, but do you have all of these other competencies? Because that's what makes the difference. Yeah. And I actually just recently hired someone on my team that worked for me 10 years ago as well. And we've just maintained a relationship. And it was the same thing, like culture fit, competency, they can learn, like they want to learn. And also, you know that they like truly care about doing a good job. And there's so much advice out there that's like, don't hire your friends, don't hire your family. Like I kind of don't really think that's real because you can hire whoever you want and they can be successful as long as you're adapting your style to them. How's that? How's that been working out with Ryan? I mean, I feel like every time he seems like he's on top of it, but it must be hard to to, to kind of have that relationship going on. How have you guys navigated that? Yeah. um, Well, speaking of that, of the family thing, I did hire my mom for about six months and that went over well, but the online space was just a little too fast moving. So we parted ways peacefully, of course. (laughs) Um, But that was interesting in entering into that dynamic where you have a power shift of what has been the relationship previously. Obviously, in adulthood, you become friends with your parents, Mm -hmm. but they're the parent. And so then me kind of being the, the parent was we navigated it just fine, but that was an interesting, fun learning curve. And then my little sister is, we hired her as a barista at the coffee shop and by her own merit, not nepotism, she is now the supervisor, um, is our longest standing employee, of course, and um, has been here for, we've been open for two years, been here for basically a year and a half of that and just absolutely loves it, cares so much about the business and I get to see her. So the beautiful byproduct of entrepreneurship, sometimes it isn't a great move to hire family and friends and sometimes it is one of the most fulfilling like if I could write out my perfect life, the, this is what dreams are made of for me moments to get to walk in and see her and see her grow because we're 10 years apart. It's just really, 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 really wonderful for me. So 
anyways, that. And then husband-wise, um, we so the thing that I think really makes a difference for us is that we do have bungalow coffee. And where I am on the social bungalow is what he is on the bungalow coffee side. And we cross-pollinate on both businesses, but I have more ownership here. He has more ownership there. So that allows for a little more lane specificity and not as much potential headbutting. But we do flow together pretty well as far as our, our skill sets are different, our strengths are different, and what he comes to me for on the more creative marketing side, what I go to him for on the more logistical management operations side works really well. Um, we actually did a, a org chart as we were expanding session with somebody and they wanted a big old task list of what everybody does. And they looked at Ryan's task list where we've got you know, negotiating with Stripe to get our merchant processing fees down and um, having certain conversations, rereading my weekly newsletter to make sure something's not phrased in a way that might be taken incorrectly, like all these small little things that he was doing this, this weird smackling. And we were like, we don't really know how to define this. He's just, you know, it's, it's happened organically. And she said, oh, he's the company protector. That's what he does. And it might be operationally, it might be financially, and it might be also even with some of the written word and the, the brand perception. But he comes in and he has such a, a heart, a keen eye, and like a father bear arm over the whole business that just constantly has my back and I can lean on him for that. So that's how we navigate it. Unlike I know some other couples are fully – 100% 50-50 partners in one business mm-hmm. and that's a different story I would say and I'm thankful that that's not exclusively our situation because there would be probably more to um, traverse. In yeah that. I know my husband's always like I'm like don't you just want to work for Paradigm because he's actually his degree is actually in HR and mine is in organizational management and mm-hmm. so that's where my experience is and I'm like don't you just want to work here like it'd be so fun and he's like I never want to work for you. <laughs> it's like the most unhot thing <laughs> ever. And I was like, all right, I guess you're not into, you know, all of this being your boss. So, <laughs> But it's yeah, just, exactly. it's so complicated. We have a few clients that have partnerships. Some have gone great. Some have deteriorated and some meaning like friendship partners or business partners or whatever. But it's such an intentional relationship. But yeah. that's how it is with every employee, I think. And if you really want to have meaning, I think that it's great to bring people in to your fold and be able to support them and help them grow. Do you feel like as a boss, there's intentional there's a was there safeguards put in place for like your sister, for example, or your mom in order to make sure that there was like a constant good flow of communication or was there anything super intentional behind those decisions to make sure that it shook out for the best? Or did you just already have a really natural flow of communication that you were confident that it would be fine? For my sister in particular, we have a lot of um, very buttoned up checklists, employee handbooks, a manager, a training program, etc. So that really took care of itself to where we had an insert level in between she and us. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't that, you know, priority and, and it wasn't her kind of goofing, goofing around. Um, with my mom, though, on the other side, since it's a bit more fluid on the social bungalow, I just had conversations with her about... You know me, obviously, the best that anybody does, and I am A-type, and I am specific, and I am thorough, and so is she, and I get my brain from her, and so that's what I value about you, but I want you to understand that I will catch every small little detail, and I need, you know, just kind of expressing what you experience in me as a daughter and a friend. Imagine that as a boss about work that's very important to me. So preempting the relationship with this is how I operate, and this is what you'll experience from me, so that this is not a surprise when 
I'm very specific about things. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is HR foundations have been key in <laughs> making sure yeah. that you can manage your team <laughs> and clarity and communication has been a priority for you and maintaining those relationships. I mean, it's like I wrote this all for us to say it together. Yes. Um, so beautifully summarized. <laughs> And seed. No, have a couple more questions for you. This is where it gets a little juicy. So I know you've probably had quite a few bosses over the years. And those one of the things we always want to learn from is our experiences that have brought so many of us into like a place of rejecting corporate trauma and doing things differently and doing things our own way. Um, Do you have any stories or experiences, observations that have informed the way that you've decided to show up as a leader? Rules that you have for yourself? um, Any observational stories? stories or things like that that you learned from good managers in the past or bad managers in the past? And can you share that with us? I had this very similar archetype of a boss across a couple of companies. And it was this um, zany kind of like hard, fast, ambitious, but like run a million miles per hour in this direction and just kidding, run a million miles in this direction. And I think that's because I would have these like ambitious, high achieving CMOs on over top of me in the marketing role. And so then I would be the one who had to kind of like go around with a basket trying to catch the vision and understand what we're supposed to be doing and then take that as almost the protector of the marketing department and give them what he wants to be done, but what I know needs to be done and balancing him versus balancing them and being this like middle man to actually help the company and move the need. Like you're just balancing so many different people mm-hmm. at that point. And that was the case for, I, you know, across those two companies, I would say six years of my life. And so with that, I was constantly in this almost like fight, flight, freeze management of my boss due to the eccentric styling of how they process. And they would also, this is probably my own doing, but blur lines with texting on weekends and texting at first thing in the morning and texting in the evening and do this, I have an idea, da, 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 you know, because it's also marketing. It's it's constant. It's going. Trends are popping up. Things are happening in the world. We need to jump on it. Da, 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 da. So then I would wake up first thing, check my phone, respond to the text, you know, want to get back to them, like respond on the, the, the weekend, et cetera. And I said something about that to one of the bosses one time. And they were like, oh, I'm just texting you when it makes sense for me. Like, respond on normal business hours. I was like, oh, got it. Okay. So I did. And then, of course, they're not happy with that because they missed the actual real-time communication. So I'm like, okay. So the two things from there, three things. Number one, um, picking a core. Like, things ebb and flow. Plans change. You get to step three. Step four through six looks totally different. But knowing that and planning out and being as concrete as I can with the team so that they really know what they're working towards. We're celebrating. We have KPIs, key milestones and metrics that we're tracking. So we know what we're doing. We know where we're winning. And then when there's a small evolution of the plan, it feels like we're going in the same path, but better versus we're running in a different direction because I absolutely hated that. Um, The second thing being I, even if I want to, I have to sit on my hands and not rewrite, redesign, redo their work because that is so demoralizing and I've had that done to me and done to my team so many times and then managing how my team feels so defeated and trying to get them back up because we have a deadline. So not doing that. And then the third thing being I, no matter 
how much I just want to be able to pop it in Slack or pop it in ClickUp. I will keep things on my own notes if I'm working in the evenings and the weekends, and then I will pop it in those channels at the appropriate time during business hours so that they don't feel even the slightest bit of responsibility to check those notifications if they see it pop up. Yes, I love that. That's one thing that we believe really does create a toxic work environment because there creates this like false urgency. And that schedule button on Slack Mm -hmm. is like, (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, do not read this message. Like, and they're all over, like our team's all over the place. So it's like, it could be six o'clock for me here, but yeah. they should be like, you know, in bed, like hanging out with their kids, you know, whatever. And so it's, it's something that's so overlooked because it, it really, the way that we kind of teach it is, and if you, if this is interesting to you, check out our new course, but um, <laughs> there's a way for you to understand that it, your, it's your job to place the accountability where it should go in areas of communication as the leader. And so if you're putting out a message, then you're assigning accountability. And that means that the person has to receive it in real time. Mm-hmm. So being really intentional about when they're receiving that accountability will really decrease burnout, show mutual respect, you know, all of that, which is really reflective in your answer. So of course, on the same page again. Um, the other thing, and I guess this is kind of in the wrap up stage. So you're Kind, you have kind of like a crystal ball over online business and traditional business. Also, can I just say you put that coffee shop together in six months? Can Schwartz and Sandy's like please like get a clue? Because like what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have no idea how long it takes to I like agree. put a shop like that together. Like my experience with biz dev on the physical front is like we build a pool for infant swim lessons, so it's a longer runway. But like to do that in six months, come on! Like I mean, well we know there was distraction, but that's besides the point. So. Anyway, um, you have this crystal ball in online business. I feel like you're always a couple of steps ahead. I also think that there's something really cool about the way that you also help to drive trends because there's so much why behind the what in the content content that you put out. There's so much value. I know that's Mm -hmm. important to you. Um, Can you tell us what's coming next? What are some of the trends that you're seeing? What are some of the things that you're prioritizing on learning about um, on the marketing side of things? Yeah, well, thank you. I don't always feel that way. Um, And I just kind of do things because I listen to my community, which is my note to everybody as far as, you know, what is going to move the needle for you and treating your people, your clients, your students, even the people consuming your free content as your muses. And that's where I pull my content from and, and my evolutions. So it comes from the peeps and that turns into a trend because if you've got a similar audience and these people are wanting it, let me do the data on my dime. Let me figure it out and then put it forward and then feel free to, you know, copy paste. But one of the things that I see coming a lot right now is audio. And I think it's because everybody has such Zoom fatigue from 2020 into 2021. A lot of the ways that offers were structured when everybody was, you know, alone and seeking a lot of community and or coming online in 2020, which was a humongous boom for online business, was I want to be able to get on a call and see your face and chat in real time and, you know, do the happy hour Zoom parties and all that stuff. And everybody is like, I'm busy, life is back, and um, that is boring AF. I don't want to do that. So the ability to be able to get my question answered and not have to sit through a 90-minute long Q&A session and hope that it, you know, when's it going to come? And then if I have to jump off, not know if my question got answered, not have minute markers, have to sift back through this thing, it's just not conducive to our lives right now. So I've been incorporating much more audio. And not just in the way of a podcast, which is obvious go-to and definitely a great fit, but in ways that um, back up 
the free resources and the funnels that I have, like we were talking about, and ways that deeply com- uh, nurture my community. So two examples. Number one, I had a quiz and the quiz was, what's your business blind spot? You got one of four results. I then had in your follow-up email to say, so your result is a lack of messaging. Let's talk about it. I have a private podcast that accommodates the quiz where I go into more detail in each of those pieces. Totally free, not sent out in real time, just something to further their understanding, which made for a really strong conversion when I ultimately got to the point of pitching a course because we went on this more intimate journey together. And then my other piece that I just rolled out is I do a weekly newsletter and I'm long-winded if you guys can't tell. And so the emails themselves have a lot to say. And I sent out a survey. What would y'all like to see more of? Because I've been doing some audio. They said, hey, could you do a recorded version? So I essentially am now reading my newsletter like an audiobook, And I've got this attached private podcast. I pay 37 bucks a month for this thing called Hello Audio that hosts it. And it's not a big lift for me to just quickly read my newsletter and send it out to them. And it has been such an increase in adoption for lifestyles. People saying, I'm listening while I'm getting my kids ready, while I'm doing my makeup while I'm on my drive, but also for different neurotypes and different learner profiles, which is that inclusivity factor is very important to me and has been really great. So it's a bit of an added lift, but it's, like I said, kind of circling back to the beginning, I view those conversions as emergent properties of relationships and a relationship can be formed without the real-time communication, but just you deeply loving on and nurturing your community with what they need so that when the time comes, you have that that relationship, that bond, and that trust. I love that. And it does feel like a natural transition from video, even though everyone wants to reject it, there's a place for it. But I think there are some of us, I heard on a podcast years ago that like podcasts are the most respectful or audio is the most respectful form of media because it really does respect the time of the listener. You can do it when you want to, you can do it when you're doing dishes, when you're driving Mm. in a car, you know, and it just really like is inclusive of of everybody's schedules and all the stuff we have going on. So I love that it's moving in that direction. I mean, I feel comfortable with it. So I'm happy about that. Um, (laughs) Well, Shannon, it has been so great. I know I could just go on and on and on forever. I have so many questions for you. But I mean, I'll just refer back to my course pro my course suite. Um, But tell everyone where to find (laughs) you and how to work with you how to pay you money, you know, all of that good stuff. We call it the desperation minute. (laughs) (laughs) well just come and see me on instagram because that's where i hang out that's where i produce most of my content and that's also where i link to everything so if you heard this and you thought about a course or you thought about the newsletter all these little things we're talking about it's in the link in my bio but i also hang out there genuinely myself all the time so if you just shoot me a dm hey i heard the podcast just wanted to say hi was looking for this thing i'll shoot you a direct link just come and say hey that's amazing and also if you're ever in vegas stop by bungalow coffee because that is super cute and worth a morning of work Um, and yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all we've got for today. I know that everybody's going to be consuming everything you have. Oh, and one thing I wanted to say is if you're even in doubt of clicking the link in our show notes to go sign up and get on the, on the goods list, um, Shannon will update us on how this is going. Like, that's one thing I love about it is as you experiment, you truly do share the results that you're seeing and the things that work and the things that don't. And it always feels like we're part of your journey in building your business too. And there's just tons of value you in that newsletter every week so make sure you at least get in there and sign up for that if not over on instagram and like getting in contact real time but thank you so much for being here it was so much fun all right thank you this was a blast if you're listening to this you've stuck with me for this entire episode and for that i say thank you i hope you found as much value in this week's topic as i do 
If so, be sure to follow, rate, and review on the Up and Up podcast. You'll be helping others find the fun in HR too. Follow us on social media and join us next Wednesday for your weekly dose of On the Up and Up. <laughs>